Hey guys, welcome to My Condolences, the podcast about the hilarious and harrowing stories of life after death. I'm your host, Laura Harmon, and I'm here with Ashley of Loyal Hands, and I forgot to hit the record button, so we're going to start this again. Welcome. Tell me all about what you do. You're a death doula. Everyone is like, what is that? Give me the details. A death doula is somebody that aids someone during their end-of-life transition. So we are pretty, we work the same scope as a birth doula, but we're on the opposite spectrum. So as birth doulas, they're bringing life in and assisting with that. We are assisting people as they are on their journey out of life. So the so one thing we were saying uh, right before I forgot to hit the record button is that I didn't even know what a death doula was until I was on an airplane in the last year. And this man next to me was telling me he was a death doula. And I was like, what? I had no idea. And you said you get that reaction a lot that people don't know that you existed because this is a fairly new thing or new term anyway. A lot of people are not familiar with the services of an end-of-life doula, aka a death doula. So it's we get that reaction a lot. The what? This is crazy. Oh my gosh. And it's expected. But after we explain our services, people see that the service of a deaf doula is highly needed. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I think, I think when you're going through losing someone, whether it's a terminal illness or just, you know, old age, whatever it is, or uh, it's so helpful to have that support in place. And then if you have something traumatic happen, I'm sure it's important to right. uh, have someone in place. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to get into this line of work? Let's talk about that. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty about what services you provide. Definitely, for sure. So, as you know, born and raised in Central Florida, and then I, I would say, as a child, I would like to read the obituaries. I know, kind of crazy. Sixth Sense is hmm. probably should have worried about me then, but hey, here <laughs> we are, <that's> Lord. <laughs> um, I went to school for anthropology and forensics. And I wanted to work mass crime scenes and putting those pieces together to tell the stories of the individuals that transition to the world, to the back to their families, because um, everybody has a story. Sure. And I relay that story back. So I've worked in the death care industry for over 10 years, from being in a morgue, um, doing autopsies, to being liaisons with funeral homes. And when I was 27, my good friend, um, Dominique was diagnosed with colon cancer. She was also 27. Um, it caught us off guard because we're both in the medical field and you never get screened for colon cancer until like 50. Right. So we were like, wait a minute, what is this? This is foreign. Um, and she actually, when she was diagnosed, it was stage four. Wow. So with that being said, a lot of the processes of her end of life had to be expedited. So we had to start talking about serious conversations like what, when they, the doctor came in, I was talking about chemo. That was the first serious conversation about end of life process that I can recall because they talked about chemo and he said, hey, if you start chemo, you're not going to be able to have children. Wow. So do you want to freeze your eggs? And that was a heavy conversation because neither of us have children. Right. So you're not, you're like, wait a minute, this is a little foreign. Um, so once that conversation was, you know, brought about between the both of us, she relied on me to be her liaison. Does um, how to structure things to tell her family, because these are heavy hitting things. Like, how do you tell your mom, "Hey, I'm going to opt to get chemo, and I may not have have the opportunity to have a child." Hey, mom, um, I'm actually going to stop chemo because I'm okay with transitioning. Like, these are heavy hitting things, and just to have a confidant to rely on to be someone that's walking and holding your hand through the whole process, uh, it helps spearhead my company, Loyal Hands. Because when she transitioned, she transitioned in peace. Mind you, she found out she had uh, colon cancer in March. She transitioned the beginning, the end of September. Wow. So it was like very, very fast. So... I, that experience for her, she was calm. She was at peace. All of her affairs were taken care of. She knew about her funeral arrangement. She was comfortable with everything. And when I saw that, I wanted to repeat it. I wanted people that were in their end of life, whatever spectrum, to have that opportunity to have a peaceful transition. Well, Ash, it's just such a, it's such a 
gift that you give people because for her to be able to have an advocate in you to even say, I'm ready. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I need to move on with this phase of my life, you know, and then to have the encouragement to then be able to approach her family. I think if she, if you don't have someone objective, it's very hard to say to someone like your mother that I can't have babies and you're going to lose your own baby, you know, because I'm, I'm not continuing my treatment. Exactly. And it was heavy. And I promise you that experience, it prepares me to where I am today because it caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. I was like, when she just said, Hey Ash, um, I'm ready. And you're like, ready for what? We got our whole life ahead of us. What do you mean? And she was like, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good with the creator. I'm good with whatever's going to happen. I just want to enjoy my last moments. And at that time I was like, you know what? I have to respect that and honor that. Absolutely. Yeah, I have to. And with that being said, I respected it. And just her last hours alive, it was just very peaceful. And she transitioned and she was like, like very sleeping, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And for that, I was like, okay, I want when other families ha- go through something so traumatic, I would like to give them the same experience that I had because it, I lost my friend. But I know that losing, when she transitioned, she was in peace. So I'm like, when people lose someone very significant to them, the calmness that you have once they're in, you know that they're in peace, it reduces a lot of your own personal stress and anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting when bad things like this happen, you know, to your friend that none of us have control over when someone's going to get sick or die, right? And And I always have found that it worked better for me. I had two options. I could crawl into a hole and die and be done and and be a victim for the rest of my life. Or I could find a way to let this propel me in some way. It sounds like it really has obviously propelled you. I know you always had like a little fascination with death. I'm the biggest dateline person on earth. I love all of that stuff. I'm like, I mean, my friends make fun of me because we're in like one of the safest neighborhoods and I'm like looking over my shoulder all the time. I'm like, oh, this is it. You know? So you got to. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though you're very comfortable around death to begin with, when you decided, how long was it that you started getting uh, your business off the ground? What were your first steps with starting your company? Okay. So I was already in the death care industry when she was transitioning. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I had to take a realization and look at my life Mm -hmm. because while looking at her, she was like, you know what? I, there are certain things I procrastinated on like children and traveling and things like that you know I procrastinated on and now I'm seeing the glory of life how simple it is just to walk outside the hospital and just feel warmth from the sun mm-hmm. and I was like whoa you know these certain when she transitioned I had so I took so much time to actually reflect because what is now really important what and so with that being said I started researching on how I can incorporate myself to help and be of a service to people. And it led me to just finding education on how to be an end-of-life doula. And once I found that, it was like Pandora's box, a rabbit hole. So now I'm like, oh, wow, there's education that's out there. There's actually programs that help facilitate and, you know, collaborating with hospices and palliative care that, that helped me along this journey. Mm-hmm. So I ended up starting Loyal Hands in 2019, and it's been onward and upward since then. Well, I think your website is absolutely beautiful. It is so welcoming and informative and very supportive. I feel very comfortable reading what it is that you do. I, I think it's interesting that you, even though you worked in these other fields, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you think the death doula process is different than what you were working on in, in, in the death field before? Yeah, for sure. So an end-of-life doula, a.k.a. a death doula, we're pretty much in that gap. We fill that gap from hospice and palliative care. So we are the advocate for the patient and their family to help them make the best decision that they can for their whole end-of-life transition. And as you know, people can tra- you know transition at any point from 18 to 83. 100%. Right. So. Being, being now that liaison to help people 
um, because sometimes doctors can speak over your head. Mm-hmm. And so the patients are just like, yeah, yeah, but really they mean no, no. Well, and but- don't you think too, when, when, when you, when it's happening to you or mm-hmm. to your daughter or whoever that you can't even hear them. It's like, you're right. kind of in that space yep. as it is. Yep. You know what I mean? You're kind of like, yep. I, I'm, I know you just gave me the breakdown of what this process is going to be, but I can't hear you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally like the womp, 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 womp type of thing. And so it's, and it's got to understand that it is moving and shaking where medical community is just moving and shaking and it's nothing personal. Right. But, it, but it's, it's, it's like another day for them. Yeah. So I'm able to then just be their advocate to break it down to, you know, co- like help them comprehend the whole, everything that's happening before their eyes. And then once we can comprehend that now we're going to empower the client and their family mm-hmm. because we're going to remove the fact that death has the power of them because that's when you feel like you want to give up. Sure. So now you're like, okay, cool. Now we got the diagnosis. A lot of people actually, this is a blessing, you know, silver lining here. This is a blessing because a lot of people don't know when they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. So they're living, they're living vicariously and then mm-hmm. they're gone tomorrow, but they're perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. Now you have eight months. Mm-hmm. So now what are we going to do to make sure these eight months are the best eight months in or what, what are you going to leave behind? You know, what are people going to say about you? So those are the type of the gap that end of life doulas are able to help with families and in with hospice and palliative care. So I, I think it's, it's so important because we, we have all been in hospitals where people are doing, you know, the status quo, they're doing their jobs. There's mm-hmm. always another patient, another bed to turn over. And for those of us that are going through grief, your world is completely upside down. Right. I know right. That for us, it was a big thing that, you know, we really didn't have a lot of support when I lost my dad and, and uh, no one know, knew what to do. It was taboo to talk about it. It was taboo to admit that they didn't know how to talk about it. It's, it's, it's all of these elements that we are not exposed to. What do you think is one of the biggest misconceptions people have about the end of life process? the it's afraid to talk about it's a taboo topic we do not talk about it and it makes it a fear Mm -hmm. so when and so you don't learn more about it and i say a lot of people if they were educated or just like became comfortable talking about it it reduces the fear Mm -hmm. and so you're able to embrace it because as as we are here 10 times out of 10 we're gonna die point blanket period now how in that <laughs> manner no right okay so you know what i mean you can address that elephant in the room it's gonna happen right obviously we want to be like 115 and lived our best life <laughs> you know ideally but we once we start to talk about it and once we start to break that eggshell and educate more people about it like hey death this is what it is just as you were born you will die and boom it's, it makes it easier. Right. And I like to tell people in a lot of indigenous cultures there, it was easy to talk about death. It was easier to talk about death because when people transitioned, they were able to, they celebrated their life. You know, it was a whole celebration. We, we, you know, as a Western civilization, we removed that celebration and replaced it with a lot of like the mourning and sadness and sorrow and yes that is true when you are going through this a hundred percent but we often forget the part to celebrate what their life and their legacy and that's what makes us happy then this brings happy tears right so if we talk about it more and humanize it humanize it it makes it less scary right well, and we so, see we see too that it, it is the nature of life. I know that so many people who have lost someone tragically or losing a child, someone young. I mean, your friend was so young. There can be so mm-hmm. much anger and resentment, but I can see how bringing someone like you in can give people peace. Because even if, like, I know when we lose someone that we love, we're, there's going to be a level of distress. It's inevitable. You can't not have it. It's going to be a part of you. However slash and 
it has to be a wonderful feeling to know that your loved one got everything that they wished for, that they right. were able to close their eyes and, and transition knowing that we've done everything we can for them and that everything that they could do to help their family is in right. place. Because that I think right. adds distress to those who are passing away as well. A lot of people, a lot of people fail to realize that when, when somebody is transitioning and a lot of affairs aren't together, they're actually holding on for that, for that reason. Mm -hmm. And at nine times out of 10, they can't vocalize it, right? But they're just stressing internally because they're, they know financially, they don't, you know, they didn't get their finances together and they hadn't had a chance to ask for forgiveness or receive forgiveness for things that happened 20 years ago. Right. Right. And so these are things that like when a, an end of life doula, we come in to like help the family and the and our clients relieve that type of thing. Right. What is something that when you talk to someone who's close to end of life, are there any common themes when you talk to them about what people are concerned about, what people are most grateful for? Do you see any things that are common? Uh, as in, like from our family. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, from like from from your clients. Are there anything that that they have uh, in common? Like, are there similar regrets? Are there similar joys of life? The conversations you have with those people, or are they yeah. totally diverse? Okay, so I will say it is diverse. But one thing I learn in common with everyone that I have worked with, you know, it is to be authentically yourself. That is one thing, you know, they break it down in different levels and different verbiage, mm -hmm. but the meat of it all is being authentic, be authentic to yourself because at the end of the day, it's you that has to deal with you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and you think about it, how many times, you know, we put on different hats, different masks and we're not happy. Mm -hmm. but this is what's going to get the job done. So we smile. Right. You uh, and you, and you live in the world of should, right? It's so common. Oh, I should, I should do this. I should do that. I have to do this. I have to do that. Right. So it's like, Ashley, be authentic to self. Do what's going to make you happy because that's what's going to count at the end of the day. Obviously don't do anything that offends other people. Sure, sure, sure. You know? That's the line. <laughs> right. There's some fine lines, but it's to do what makes you happy. And I, I take those jewels because I learned so many because when people are transitioning, they see what's really in the importance of life. Mm -hmm. I, like I, I've said the story that I've had a client before that had a fleet of cars, foreign cars, and he would travel to get these foreign cars. And now that he's transitioning, we, you know, I would go and visit him at his house. He was on an oxygen tank and he would just Ruby Lakeside, very nice house, I would say, and it's Lakeside, and we would look at the cars, and he was like, you know, I traveled far and beyond for these cars, and I can't even drive them, and he would get super sad, and he was like, you know how hard I work to get these cars, you know what I sacrifice, he's like, I sacrifice time with my family, and that was his regret, and he's like, I was home, he's like, I would be home, but I wasn't present, mm -hmm. So my kids would see me, but they would see me in work, but I was working so much so I can get these cars and live this life of luxury. And I was like, wow, you do have nice cars for one. <laughs> but the lesson, like the moral of the story, that's your regret though. Right. Something you thought was very important really right. wasn't at the end of the day. Right. And it was about spending the quality time with your family because at that time in his head, when he was younger and healthier, he thought just being around them Right. Made was sense. enough. Right. Right. And now it's like, wow, I, it, it wasn't pretty much. It's like that for end of life doulas, we're there so we can help the families be present mm -hmm. because a lot of times when it's all happening, when you have a terminal illness and things are happening so fast, you're not present. You're not there to soak up that moment, to be in the essence with that one that's transitioning. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to make sure that you're present push you to be present because these are moments you're not going to get back. So, so tell me how, how is this career 
and, and, and not in career, like it really is your purpose, it seems, because right. so few people are comfortable around death and grief, but I, I'm, I'm just so like, enthralled and so excited to hear about your passion and your life. Yeah. How does it affect you? How, how do you approach your life as a result of doing this work? Is it hard for you to not take it home with you at the end of the day? Is it, are you yeah. able to separate? I am human, I will say. 100% and this helps me connect with humanity I will say because obviously I'm meeting I get to meet so many different variety of people and work with so many cultures and backgrounds it's unbelievable I'm very appreciative of that because you learn a lot um, with that being said I have to I become family once I am hired with a client and their family I become like an extended family like the cousin that you left in St. Louis three times back, you know, I'm now I'm coming in, you're going to catch me up to speed. And I'm, I become that pillar because I know as people see this journey towards the end of life, a lot of things and your emotions become shift, they shift. And I want to make sure that I stand strong so you don't collapse. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking you through like, this is what's happening. I'm holding your hand every size. So it's not blindly. You reduce the shock value. So I'm holding your hand through this whole process. And when I'm, when I leave at night or when the, my client transitions, it, it does affect me. I would be lying if I said like, I don't get close to my families. I'm not like, I wouldn't, I would be lying if I say I'm, I don't, I'm not there for celebrations. Like, you know, or graduations and things like that because I feel that hey I am I am families but when that happens of that I leave and I see that you know time is near and I know that I have to say you know start warning the family like hey they stopped eating a lot of like the eating process is slowed down this is our timeline now this is, you know, let's start shifting our mind frame and things like that. I go home. I, yes, I unpack. There's times where I have to have meditation, sound bowls. It's like a lot of holistic practice within this whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the end of life, Dula, that's our whole thing is holistic, mm -hmm. non-medical, holistic practice. I do that on myself as well. And with our doula with loyal hands, we have a platform for just keeping our mental and emotional wellness. We have mental like therapists as well, because you do get connected. So with meditation, definitely grounding. It's easy for me. I'm a Florida girl. So it's easy for me to throw my shoes, my sandals off and ground. Um, and and connect connect right back to why why am i doing this this is my purpose i know i signed up for this and i volunteered every time because at the end goal i want everybody to have feel a pain free trauma like trauma free transition but this it is a tra traumatic thing no matter what i do and i can educate people still experience their level of trauma sure so, but, you, but you in your way can soften or assist that blow. That's what, yeah, exactly. That's all I'm like, I want to soften the blow. I want to educate you. Mm -hmm. And if I educate you, my goal is it reduces that anxiety. It reduces that stress of the unknown. Because that's right. a lot of people are afraid of. They're like, what's behind that veil? And right. I can't tell you. Right. I can't tell you, but I can say it's kind of like how I related when you graduate high school. You just don't know your next step. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm going to college, but what's going to be at college? I can't tell you. It's your own experience. It's your right. own journey. Right. So they are graduating from this thing called life. Mm -hmm. And where they're going, all we don't know. But what we can do is make sure we send them off with dignity and pride. Absolutely. And, right. And, and truly, when people are dying, that is the, the hardest thing for them to lose that their mm -hmm. identities are being taken from them, their ability to care for themselves is taken away from them, their ability mm -hmm. to be the strong father or the passionate mother, mm -hmm. all these things are stripped from them. And so yeah. for you to be able to provide that, that bumper around them so that they can still hold their head up all the way till the end is such a gift. I, I'm really 
amazed at what you do. What do you think is the most rewarding part of your job? Okay, so I'm gonna give you two answers because for me, I love the jewels. I love the jewels that families and the people that are transitioning give. Because it's like, wait, I'm, you know, I have not died that we know of, but <laughs> but then I'm able to give them to other people. Right. So their gift to me, it keeps on giving. Cause then I'm like, Hey, you know what? We're not, every day is not going to be perfect. I'm going to probably have more bad days than good, mm -hmm. but there's always a silver lining. And I'll randomly quote something that I learned from somebody that was transitioning. And so that's for me. Um, another thing for families is we do legacy projects which is a highlight for families and we're very lucky if you know we get it we join the family while they the, their loved one that's transitioning is still cognizant and with that being said we we create a whole legacy project it's creative it's their expression so it can be something as they're writing a letter they're writing a letter to their grandchildren that they're that right the moment they're a few months old or they're putting together a scrapbook we've had a we've had a right now she is pregnant and as you know with women we anything can happen at the end so she's getting her she's 24 and she's getting her advanced directives in order just in case something happens and i applaud her because that's you're already it's already scary being pregnant mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but then at the same time you're thinking about giving giving life you're already thinking about the possibility of you may pass away it's a possibility mm -hmm. and i commend her on that because she got her she's getting her advanced directions in order and we're working on her legacy project mm -hmm. and she's leaving notes to her daughter mm. and it just just the if case something was to happen and it's very commendable because it's like if how i'm learning through that i was like wow that's something that i would i want to do Right. No. And, and also, and even if you weren't passing away, you it might be a great idea to even like to like you said, be present, soak it up. Like it gives us right. those of us that are healthy as well, but especially for your clients that are going through it. Right. Because it's like you usually think you got a terminal illness. Right. You know, and that's when we start scrapbooking. But no she was like uh, you offer that service i was like yeah we can legacy work you you come up with whatever you want you know there's with certain things where you can halt the mail you can give the mail courier and you can halt it and send it at certain points within the year wow. and with that being said it's like somebody can transition in february they've written all these letters and then they've just stored them at the post office. So every month or what have you, whatever schedule they wanted them to be released and help their family while they were grieving. Mm -hmm. And it's like something so small is so precious. Absolutely. It's massive. You're like, wait, how, obviously, you know, they transitioned, but they're, they're coaching you beyond the grave. You know, right. they're, they're saying, Hey, I'm okay this is what you need to do in life and it's just something that's just very sentimental and personal absolutely well and, so and, and what do we want more than anything than to be in communication with them after they're gone you know right. whether that's a letter whether that's a sign anything have you had any experiences like that with any of your clients or in your own life with your friend where you feel like you've had one of those divine moments of recognition all the time. yeah all the time tell me about and some of them I love, I was going to say like, uh, I love moments of that because it helps me realize your purpose mm -hmm. and whether people, it can be from the song, right. a random song that just pops on. We have one the of those in our family. On, that the channel that it's on, you're like, I didn't leave it on that channel. Mm -hmm. Like looks around six cents type of thing. And you're very, you're like, wow, that's a song that we shared. That's like, like you know, that was yeah. our song in the car. And it was like the throwback song, but it's on now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're, I, when things like this happen, I will tell you, I look at the time. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what's the time? Is it angel numbers? You know what I mean? Right. Is like, it 11, 11? <laughs> is it one, two, three, four? Right. Exactly. Then I'm like, okay, what message are you trying to tell me, Dominique? Yeah, what yeah, are you yeah, trying yeah. to tell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, and it's the small things. And definitely along this journey, I've been seeing a lot of her energy present. And from just me speaking her name more often now, because I would, for me, it was a trauma where I was like, um, I would say back in the day, I read this book, The Giver. It was a movie. It's a movie now, but it was the book, The Giver. And when somebody passed away, they would just say their name for the day. And you could never speak the name again. My trauma was similar to that. I would just, I could, I could see her. I can smell her. It would just, my trauma was to say her name. And now this over this past year, I'm like, Dominique, you were this, you spearheaded this and you overcome my trauma of just saying your name because how do you get into this, Ashley? Yes, I've been in the death care industry for over 10 years, but I had something that's a near and dear friend transition in front of me mm-hmm. that, that changed my whole perspective on life and death and how you want to do it. So that's something that resonates with me that now that I am a death doula, that I see all the time, her her presence, her smell, and things like that. Especially the, I'm like, the creepy stuff for real with the the songs. I'm like, yeah. I haven't heard that song in forever. Right. <laughs> well, we, we have that with Claire DeLune with our dad because we played that at his funeral. And I've said this several times in episodes that my brother and I were in a hotel. We were separated and on opposite ends of this massive lobby. And the, the pianist started playing that song. And I stopped and I looked at the piano and then I looked across the lobby and my brother was also frozen looking at the pianist as well. And we both had this moment, like, you know, we're on a family vacation for the first time without our dad and he was there, you know, and, and, and there's so much beauty in that. I think that there's, for me, at least with death, there's a very spiritual element. Where, where do you see yourself? I know, of course, for work purposes, you're very objective and you'll honor whatever anyone's wishes are. But like, what do you, how do you see that yourself? What do you think's on the other side? Um, I, you're right. I am very objective with the families. Mm-hmm. Like I, and that's part of our policies. We do not put our religion, our beliefs. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We, and I, that's, that's sacred. For no, we don't do that. Uh, but I do believe that there is another, like I said, like, like Mario Brothers. There's another level to it. <laughs> oh, 100%. Like, you know what there's I mean? More. Like, I haven't gotten Princess P yet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another level. And I do believe that there's a, like, a higher energy, like, higher than us, because how can I explain Dominique's presence? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't explain that. And science can barely explain it. Right. So it's those moments when I have, and I'm like, there's, there's a higher frequency than here and they're just privy to see it before I am. Right. And they just come in and just check in just a little bit, just to say, Hey, the party's good over here. Like, so yeah, I totally believe that life or energy beyond what we consider here does exist Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and totally open to all cultures and things like that once we're in their their household which is funny you bring that up because i've had situations where it's going back to the authentic to self where you have people that um they're now their deathbed they're saying you know what i actually this whole life my whole life i've been a practicing catholic but i'm actually not i don't believe in things like that <laughs> and, you're like, Whoa. and like you're the only person in the room right 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 right, right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, so how do you want to, so how do you want to structure your, your funeral? Like, you know, right, 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 right. And pretty much it was just like their confession. It was right. like, you know, it, this is, I'm just confessing this. And to me, I internalize it. I'm like, okay, true to self. Yep. If you aren't this, you, if you don't feel this type of way, you just need to go on your own vibration. Right. But don't, don't funny. live it. Right. But that's funny. You bring that up because that's totally been an experience I've had thus far. Is somebody really, comp- I'm like, okay, all right. So do you want me to tell your family? Is this something you want to write down? I just want to go to the grave with it. Just keep it with me. Like, right. Well, it's, it's such a, it's such a unique role that you play in their life because you are so many different hats, right? You're a confidant, you're the priest, you're the best friend, you're the attorney, you're the, all the things that like they see as like ways to help things get in order. It has to be a, 
a, a lot. Do you, do you ever, I mean, I know I said this earlier, but you have to get to a point, I'm sure, where you're like, okay, I have to like tap out for a minute and feel and, these things. Yeah. So totally, because we are making, we, we do interchangeable hats. Um, I, we aren't lawyers for sure, but we can get you in contact with lawyers or provide right. that paperwork. When you have those questions, we'll do our due diligence to right. research and reach out to lawyers because probate and things like that oh. can be a little, eh, eh. Not fun, not fun. Right. So what we can do to lessen up that, you know, not funness. Right. And like, we'll do our best. But when things like that, we, we, when somebody transitions, we give each other space. We, you know, we check in soon after the transition uh, with the families, of course, but we also need to heal as well. So it's not like, okay, somebody transitioned tomorrow. We're going to somebody else. No, we take, we actually hold space for ourselves because in this field, it's a level of empathy. We're giving empathy and compassion at a hundred percent. And at that same time, when you are depleted, you can't oh. pour from an empty cup. I would, right. I refuse to have myself or any of the loyal hands doulas to to get out there and they're half performing. That does a disservice for themselves and, and the family. For the family. And you think about that, like in the, they are already experiencing that in the medical field, right? Because the nurses who are moving bodies in and out don't have a choice. It's like yeah. they they're going next, 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 next. And then if you've got that and someone like you, or and it's also I think about preserving that energy so that if this is something you want to do or one of your employees wants to do lifelong, that you protect that, that energy of themselves so that they can do it in a healthy way. Because I could see how I'm insanely empathetic. My therapist always talks about it's like my greatest blessing, but also like my biggest curse because somebody walks in the room and they're having a bad day and I'm like, what's wrong? You know, like I feel it so much that it, it has to be really important for you to protect that energy. Exactly. And that's, that's our whole focus because, you don't want to burn out. Yep. Number one, we want to make sure that everybody is getting, getting the whole, ex- getting the best experience possible. Because to be honest, you only have one time to transition. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have to remind ourselves, like I can't get out there at fifty-two percent and give you a hundred percent a great transition rate. No. Right. I want you to have like you get one chance to die it's so to speak so i want to make sure that it's the best energy that i can give you let me ask you i want to see because i know so many people respond to dying differently obviously do you ever have i assume most of the people that hire you are the clients themselves or families Mm -hmm. that are are facilitating the wishes of a client but do you ever have people come to you maybe that they their person doesn't want the help but they need that support yeah, I was going to say a lot of times we are there for the caregivers because mm-hmm. the caregivers, they get caregivers remorse. Mm-hmm. And yes, they hire us. Initially, they'll hire us for just to be the doula and to get the affairs in order mm-hmm. and to help break it to the, you know, sometimes we're breaking it to the family that, hey, this is a terminal diagnosis, but we're breaking it to the family and we want to make sure that you guys, we hold space for everybody here so they can process this. Mm-hmm. But while we're moving through that whole process, we, like I said, we're family. So that just means that we're there for the caregivers and we're there to relieve them. So once we're there, Hey, you can go take a nap or go, sure. go walk to the park, go get your hair done. Right. Something simple as that. Or, you know, we, if we know that they are experiencing a burnout, we're washing the dishes, right? You know, Hey, wash dishes. I know you have a food allergy. So I kind of, prepared X, Y, and Z for you, blah, blah, blah. So you don't feel guilty for having time for yourself because you think that you're taking it away oh. from your loved one. Right. And, and that's, we talk about that, that that's like the perfect example of, of people who are caretakers who cannot pour from an empty cup and they do. And then the cup yep. cracks and then it starts to erode. And then they're like in the hole below the cup. They have no, mm-hmm. most people, I mean, I saw it happen to my mother, how by the time my dad was you know, almost terminal and was going to the hospital. She bent over one day to help like show the cable guy the back of the box. And she thought he had hit her over the back with a bat because her back went out so bad that she like 
thought she was like being hit from behind and he the guy's like um no you're mm. you, something just happened to you and she ended up in the emergency room because the stress was so bad she wasn't taking care of herself nope. understandably i mean she was young in her 40s like she had kids the whole thing but that stuff is very real for people i i really just am so excited that you are in this field and that you know you are so vivacious and bubbly and genuine that I can't imagine how you wouldn't be such an asset for people to have during that time. Yeah, you honestly, as an end-of-life doula, I tell people all the time, you everybody needs to have an end-of-life doula as a friend because once you see, once once we get so close to seeing people at their end, you know to be how to be positive because it's like, wow, this person would have gave so much to have just an extra five weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, it is an innate thing to be positive because we have to be positive around people that are transitioning. They're like, you know, our energy, we're giving of our energy. So we have to keep it upbeat and up and positive because of the negative things that are happening around it. Right. Um, And and people, as hard as they try to be strong, most people can't when, when, when the family's watching someone they love who's passing away, it's, it's very hard to keep that energy up when it's your loved one. Right. And so you want to make it a pleasant thing. So it's like the ambiance, some people, you know, the ambiance. So you want it, the colors around the pets around the smell, the sound, Mm -hmm. and that also helps make it more human Mm -hmm. and helps you, it helps soothe you because you see that they're being soothed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a whole, it's, it's definitely a spec, a, a whole show. Well, it, and it's, it, all, it's also like full circle, right? Because you think of like helping a mother bring a child into the world and then soothing that baby upon arrival and then going skin to skin and all of these things right away that of course they, we need that added element of comfort on yeah. the other side of it. Right, exactly. And you, you have to give it to people that are transitioning and the people that are around because we usually to start preparing with the whole grieving process like we've contracted with other companies to help families that are grieving because sometimes you know you're grieving before it even happens oh absolutely and then then you're you're pulled in a whole you're pulled away from being in that moment right so we start to see that disconnect happening and our doulas are cognizant of it because nobody likes to say hey I'm not thinking like, you know, nobody will say, I'm so sad that I'm not thinking about you anymore. No, we have to watch their body language, you know, and things like that. And once we start taking note of that, we will get in contact with our grief, our grief specialists Mm -hmm. to help with the family that's actively grieving before the whole thing, the, you know, the transition happens. Right. Well, you see that bring them back in, pull them back in. Right. You, you see that happen a lot when people are grieving the life that they were going to have. And you see them like kind of sitting in that raw space where they're kind of sitting back within themselves. Or, you know, if there's like a dementia or Alzheimer's patient, things like that, where it's like they're, and, and I, I truly believe that people in all stages of their life, whether they're babies or, or people on the other side, that they're very, we're very sensitive beings. We feel these yep. things. We can sense the change in the room. And, mm-hmm. and I imagine that one of the biggest things you want to protect is that person to not feel alone as they're transitioning, yep. not feeling abandoned or left yep. or given up on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, like I know we, as well as other doula companies, like provide vigil sittings. So nobody transitions alone. That's a big thing. Uh, there's, I want to say there's an organization. I can't recall the, the name of the organization, but it has people just to come in and just vigil sit. Uh, for us, we usually do it and sit in that place because families don't like to be in those last moments and have that be the last moment that they have with their loved one. Mm-hmm. You know, that with they, their, their last moments, they want it to be pleasant. And I get that. So usually we'll just come in and we sit and we come, we soothe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that person with the power of touch and the power of like your sound, the last thing to go hearing. Mm-hmm. So we're able to say, you know, talk to them right. and just let them know that they are loved mm-hmm. and that their family is, you know, cares so much about them and X, Y, and Z or whatever message that the family wanted to give, but they personally can't 
be there because of the fact that it's a trauma. Right. And right. you, that's the thing, you don't want to induce any other more traumas. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting you again, but I think about that too, that sometimes encouraging people, the caretakers to face these things is important because the regret the guilt, the shame they feel for not being able to rise to the occasion. That has been a conversation I've had with dozens of people about grief where it's like, I didn't show up. I wish I had said this. I wish I had said that. And there's a beauty in like them being able to walk out of the room knowing this person is gone, but at least I was present. I was leaning in. I did say what I wanted to say. And I think that when it's someone like you and in your field and then myself losing my dad so young, I do approach my life as well in that I will never not tell you someone that I love that I love them because I don't want, I mean, my dog is the most loved creature on earth. I pick her up and make out with her every day. I'm like, oh, you're my baby. I love you so much. Daughter, you're the best. And everyone's like, yeah, a little overkill with that dog. Where I'm like, no, no. Cause she's like my child. And I want her to know that if she doesn't wake up tomorrow, she is loved. You know? And it affects you that way. What, what do you think is the biggest thing you've taken away from choosing this career? Like where, how has it affected your life? Knowing that life is never goes expected to plan. It helps me process all the bumps in the roads that I, that I come in contact with. Like people have a whole process of how they plan to transition and die. And it rarely comes into fruition this exact same way they planned it. Mm -hmm. So that being said, it makes me feel okay. When I've hit a bump in the road, it's okay because this is a part of life. Mm -hmm. So that's a good takeaway that this has brought me mm -hmm. doing this whole, my whole passion of giving this service to be an end of life doula. What is your goal for Loyal Hands? How do you see your future with this career? Yeah, my future in this career is number one, longevity and to continue to provide services for end of life from all spectrums from all ranges but honestly to make the conversation of death and a, a table topic mm -hmm. pretty much let's not be afraid of it because if we're afraid of it 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 creates a, a small ripple and we want like for me i'm like i want to create a big ripple so it's just like oh yeah um such and such like my my will and everything is already taken care of so my family doesn't have to stress they don't have to worry about what do we have it in a funeral home? Do we have it in a church? Does she want a coffin? Does she want to earn? And it's just so much that they have to process. And the fact that I'm not there, that's just, you're adding on way more stuff. And I'm like, no, I want to bring in a, a, a conversation that you already prepared. So when that day comes, because it will come, everything is taken care of. So that's already 15 steps that that family has, is reduced. So I like to have like to push, like I, you know, to push the whole death positive movement mm -hmm. that we're talking about it. We're getting help in the, from mental health because a lot of people, they like to stay, stay away from the whole mental aspect of processing death. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay to have a therapist. Hey, we all have therapists here with loyal hands. Like we have access to them. It's, it's not a foreign thing with something that we should be ashamed of. We should address them because mm -hmm. if we suppress them, it, it becomes worse. You act out in different ways from mentally, from your body, physically, dysmorphing. And so those are things that I, I see with being a part of the whole death positive movement and that culture will help facilitate people's mindset of death. Because you, for me, I'm like, you take the power. You take the power back from death, actually. It's, You're it's like, ownership. Right. It's going to happen, whatever. So, but now I'm going to choose how I want it. Like, so to speak, mm -hmm. how I want it to play out once it happens. Right. Well, and that's the thing, right? People are so terrified of the lack of control at the end. Yeah. And then really bringing someone like you in gives people the confidence and the ability to bring order to that chaos to a certain degree. What finally, like what, what are any of the, like, if you could give me some bullet points of things that you would want people to know about an end of life doula or the end of their life or someone who's struggling with coming up to this chapter, what would you want them to know? I want them to know that services 
for their end of life, um, the whole end of life processes are out there and it's not afraid to go and to look for them. And it's not expensive, so to speak, in that it can help ease that stress and anxiety towards that for people's end of life, to be honest, because it's like you want to live well, but you also want to die well. And end of life doulas, that's exactly our whole purpose, to make sure that you die with dignity and pride. Ashley, I think you're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I know this sounds so weird to be like, I almost said, I can't wait to die and have a death doula. But it's like, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't wait to like, have that as a, have you as a resource. You know, like so many people yeah, need, need you and your are, services. Yeah, because I'm telling you, you don't have to. We have people that are healthy. Plan mm -hmm. it out. Get things like in order. Yep, um, love it. We don't necessarily have to be the, we're not the grim reapers, not whatsoever. We're here to empower you. Yeah. We're, right. That's that's our whole thing. We're I'm going to be here to empower you through the whole journey and walk and hold your hand. And you're, the family's hand as well. Like we're going to process this thing all together. So yeah, for sure. We're out here. <laughs> we were not foreign and all this. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell everyone and put it in the, uh, in the episodes that people can find your website and contact you. Thank you so much for your time and your generous heart. You are so amazing and such a bright, beautiful, like oh it's just so amazing you. what you do so thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for chatting with me and know about a taboo topic that hey girl is that taboo to me i love it i think it's amazing yeah, talking about it i'm a little biased i like it too because if we talk about it it makes it less taboo and you know what and it's also it's gonna like you said happen to everyone and so yep. we might as well become a community to support one another then yep, exactly. then continue to keep it in the dark and isolate each other because that's yep. where this cycle keeps perpetuating and and i hope that our generation is able to change that and and move it forward so thank you so you much know. yeah you girl <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me thank you and thank you guys so much for listening please like subscribe rate and review and follow us through the website mycondolencespodcast.com thanks guys